And I went on a two hour tangent. You know, I completely forgot about that job altogether. I just was geeking out over this bag. I love this. And I love this environmental piece about this. And so I was geeking out and it was, it was truly that light bulb moment. I mean, I was waiting for something, you know, to come. This is what I want to be doing. Like, I don't know how to get from where I am right now, sitting on a sofa with design experience only, knowing nothing about manufacturing materials, production, you know, anything to do with the physical product world. But knowing that I could do something with the skills that I had been gathering for my entire career to make really, really user-driven design bags. So I have the design skills there and um, the environmental piece obviously is huge here. So there's a huge piece that I can actively be doing there that didn't touch that um, at all in the digital world. Welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur Podcast. This is a podcast for people who look at business differently. It's for founders, freelancers, change makers, and freedom seekers who want to make money, do good, and be happy. We choose the path of the happy entrepreneur not to get rich, but to express ourselves and serve others in the most authentic way we can. Many of us couldn't find our role by working for others, and so we chose to work for ourselves. We took the more uncertain path, not because we wanted to, but because we needed to. We value learning, play, and friendship, and we have a need to make a meaningful impact in the world. By following the path of the happy entrepreneur, we learn as much about ourselves as we do about business. On this podcast, I have conversations with other happy entrepreneurs from different walks of life, industries, and countries. We talk about the journey and about what we learned about ourselves along the way. For us, entrepreneurship isn't just a way to make money, but a journey of self-discovery and growth. If you're on the same path and are looking for inspiration and connection, then this podcast is for you. This episode of the podcast is another window into the worlds of the people who join our Happy Startup Tribe. This time I'm in conversation with Lindsay Lucero, founder of Baxley Goods. She tells the story of how she started her business and why. Unlike other startup stories, Baxley didn't begin because Lindsay wanted to make money, but because she wanted to make something for herself and her children. Baxley Goods currently creates beautifully designed and hard-wearing bags that have little environmental impact and provide workers a living wage. Through the business, Lindsay is satisfying her need for creativity while also trying to preserve the planet for her children. At the moment, she's designing bags, but has ambitions to make other products too. During our conversation, we touch on the power of vulnerability, authentic storytelling for business, and why it's so important to be able to admit that you don't know and ask for help. Lindsay ends with some questions for anyone who's looking to work on something more meaningful. What's your vision? What lights you up? What are you not good at? What assets are available to you? How does all this align? And what's the bigger picture? Enjoy. Hello. Uh, welcome to the Happy Entrepreneur podcast. And today I am joined by the lovely Lindsay Lucero. Uh, I'm going to get her to introduce herself in a minute. Um, but to give you a feel for 
the style of podcast that we're, I'm doing today, um, it's a bit different to what I normally do when I do a one-on-one podcast. I usually do them recorded and in the, in the safety and privacy of not anyone watching or listening. But today we're doing it live because uh, I, I found through the Friday uh, firesides that we've, I've been doing with Lawrence, there's something of an energy when you're doing something live. And it's nice to get some feedback from, from the audience, people watching, particularly when they have questions that are relevant to them, I think they're also become relevant to many other people and it sparks and inspires the conversations that I'm having with the wonderful guests that I get on to the show. And we have Lindsay today. Hello, Lindsay. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, how are you feeling at the moment? What's your day been like so far? Um, well, it's, it's sunny and that has uh, such a joy after the last two weeks. Um, and feeling really excited. There's so much going on right now in terms of Baxley, which was kind of asleep for the COVID months and is finally re-emerging with manufacturing beginning again and people being able to, yeah, be, be creating fabric, be creating the products. Um, and yes, now I need to start marketing. And so all of a sudden, like with the sun coming out, it literally this week, there's a lot going on. And so, um, yeah, I'm feeling excited and uh, a little nervous. Um, yeah. Emerging. Emerging, yeah. emerging from a from a bit of hibernation. Mm, very much. <laughs> so, for for those uh, listeners who who don't know very much about Baxley, do you want to give us a mm. your pitch? What what is Baxley, and and what are you trying to do with with this with this business? So, uh, Baxley is a company that sells British uh, designed and made bags, um, and where it kind of came from and why it is particularly special and different is that um, I am a designer. I've always been a designer, but I've worked in the digital realm. <clears throat> and then uh, I suppose maybe three three years ago, I um, began to have this bit of crisis because there are two things that are very important to me. One is design and then the other is the environment. And there was nothing that I was doing at all in terms of the environmental side of that. Um, and we can get into the greater story later, but um, what I'm wanting to do with these bags that Baxley I'm doing designing through Baxley is to be creating the most the best made bags with the least in, impact possible, and using all the design knowledge I have to making sure that these are bags that you're really going to want to have for life. Awesome. Um, there's so oh, so many things I want to start off. With. <laughs> the thing that really sparked my interest here is that transition from. Um, uh, you're an employed professional, you're doing this digital design work um, and then thinking, okay, I, I actually want to start this thing. Was, was there, was there a, uh, an intention to start a business or was there something before that? Was there a need or a problem that you wanted to solve first for yourself? Yeah, I mean, there are so many different ways that I can explain this story because it isn't just like one linear, <laughs> linear thing. I suppose really life isn't usually. Um, and three years ago, I'd um, not long before had my little boy um, or my second child and all at that same period of time, you know, I guess Trump was in office and, un, you know, undercutting all these environmental pieces over in America. Here we had Brexit looming and there's just so much going on with the environment and all of the news articles showing what's happening with the latest scientific research. And so it was kind of like this truly kind of like almost primal concern of, oh my gosh, I have these children. I've just brought these children into this world and it's falling apart around us. And environment's always been important to me, but I'm doing nothing at all 
with working for insurance companies and tech companies to be, you know, addressing this other passion in my life that now has a primal kind of underlying motivation behind it. So, um, yeah, that, that, that was a, a big one. But in terms of it being this fully fledged business, I want to create this environmental business that that wasn't it. It was, um, I was in design and I wasn't very happy. Um, I didn't, I didn't have a vision of where I wanted to go within the realm that I'd been working for the last 15, 18, however many years that was. And I had always loved doing user-based design and iterating. And I really, really, I love design. I geek out over a bad logo or a bad user journey or an amazing one. Um, but then with uh, the, I, where, where I was in my career, I couldn't find enough work that was really exciting near where we lived. And so it was looking like we're going to have to move city, move country, try, trying to find something that was really going to be um, worthwhile doing. And so at that time, I was like, is there nothing else that I can be doing myself? Like I, I was feeling at, at the bottom of a, of a base here. You know, I'd come out of maternity leave. I'd done a few amazing jobs, but then those were done. And what else? I just kind of lost. And so I was seeking out actively something, wanting to find something that was going to excite me. But it was... Um, Applying for a job over in America, actually, like Portland or Seattle, you know, really needing to relocate massively that um, all of a sudden I was having to audit this website to see what they needed. And I came across a bag and um, I was like, wait a second here. This this bag is just on my journey. But let me just look at this, this a little bit longer in terms of assessing their website for, you know, applying for this role. And I went on a two hour tangent. You know, I completely forgot about that job altogether. I just was geeking out over this bag. I love this and I love this environmental piece about this, but this functionality, I don't know, you know, that it would really work so well. And it doesn't look like it really is be versatile enough. It's more of a country bag than a city bag. And so I was geeking out and it was, it was truly that light bulb moment. I mean, I was waiting for something, you know, to come, but I had that true light bulb moment sitting on the sofa of just being like, this, this is what I want to be doing. Like, I don't know how to get from where I am right now, sitting on a sofa with design experience only, knowing nothing about manufacturing materials, production, you know, anything to do with the physical product world, but knowing that I could do something with the skills that I had been gathering for my entire career to make really, really user-driven design bags. So bags that, you know, you, go to access the thing because you know exactly where it is and it's easy to get to. So instead of designing where that checkout button is, buy now as quickly as possible, it's the same sort of thing for getting to your phone or to your wallet or whatever that item is that you need in your bag. So I have the design skills there and um, the environmental piece obviously is huge here. The fashion world, I mean bags is a funny one to call it fashion because it doesn't really feel like a fashion item per se, but or at least the types of bags that I'm creating, but it um, it is such a it's like one of the top three you know contributors to carbon and and to pollution right now is it's so epically massive and it's very under appreciated in 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 its impact for the majority of people in the world. So there's a huge piece that I can actively be doing there that didn't touch that um, at all in the digital world. So um so yeah so. I mean, that's a very long answer to your question of where did it begin and was it a fully fledged business? It was not a fully fledged business, but the second I had that idea, I knew that I wanted this to be a business and I wanted it to grow, not to be massive necessarily, but to grow and to influence deeply the people that it touched. I think it's important to hear that 
story of of how something starts because um many podcasts particularly business and startup focused podcasts there's a real emphasis on getting this the business model right already and the strategy ready and the and the business plan and 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 thinking about all the different technical aspects of setting up a business and that's all great and useful but i think what's less talked about is that sudden need to actually do something different and what i heard from you was this question that i hear a lot of the time is you get to a stage in your career and your life and you're thinking is this it mm. you know, there's something more i want from this and not necessarily knowing what that is but suddenly there's that question out there you put out the intention i want something more and what i heard about that journey from checking out a website to then geeking out about bags was you were ready for that opportunity to pop up in front of you very much you were looking for that and then that turning into this uh i think this kind of combination or this is this coming together of passions of the environment the need for you to make something meaningful for yourself mm -hmm. uh, i heard this real need to create you wanted to create something and use all those skills and knowledge that isn't just about making a checkout experience even mm -hmm. more uh, effective <laughs> but actually something that feels like that's yours that you're doing for yourself is that did i hear that correctly very much so i mean at this whole point um when i was trying to figure out what kind of jobs i should be applying for and when i was still seeking out that that moment I had done a, a whole workshop evening with my husband, you know, loads sticky notes, and I've created this whole, you know, workshop to try and figure out what one's own, um, you know, exciting, exciting things are and what you should be looking for and perhaps avoiding. And one of the top things that a sticky notes, like I've even kept the one sticky note that says, um, "I made that." So the ability to say "I made that" is so important to me, and it doesn't have to be bags. It doesn't have to be a business. It could be just, uh, you know, baking or making this growing a courgette i started farming during this period or gardening um you know to, to say i made that 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 pride that you get i mean at, at any age is so significant and so yes i i love creation i love designing particularly but making in any kind of manner and i think that's that aspect that i really i'm i'm becoming much more aware of all, uh, and being i think needs to be championed more there's this creative energy behind the business so the business is is a vehicle Mm -hmm. but the thing that drives it that that pumps the energy into it is the creativity that 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 need that emotional need to 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 say this is i made this and then that passion around um what you're going to contribute i hear is, is really super important and and that clarity you have around that for me is also one of the strongest foundations for what i think you're trying to you've been doing because i've seen your newsletters going out is, is about telling a story Mm. maybe you know a lot of people talk about again when we're talking about startup and business we we focus very externally about problems you want to solve in the world but i'd really be interested more about your approach to storytelling around this and what that meant for you in terms of tapping into your story and then and the story of the business was this a, was it a conscious thing or was it something that you just felt naturally had to be done because of the business you're in no no not at all it, it, it's really ironic so the newsletter it has become this very um powerful is the wrong word but it, it incredibly useful tool it's and um so much more significant than i ever would have imagined i started um 
I did a whole number of surveys in creating prototypes types. So for the first, I guess, year or two of um, after I had this light bulb moment, I was hand creating prototypes. And it was arduous. It was like three months of every single evening and weekend, you know, sewing when I had no sewing skills, really, <laughs> um, you know, using a machine, but just back and forth, the most basic kind of stitching. And I made functional prototypes I could use. Um, and what was really kind of fascinating was I did a lot of user, the same sort of approach I would do in digital design. I did a lot of user testing and a lot of user feedback gathering. And so even during the prototypes, um, I was testing it myself, but I was getting feedback constantly from other people. And so I did these massive surveys and got loads and loads of emails through that, which was incredibly useful. And then I think I sat on those for maybe at least nine months or so before I was like, you know, this newsletter thing, I'm, I'm supposed to do a newsletter, I know. And, uh, you know, it's just, I, I don't like following shoulds usually, like you're, sh you're supposed to do this, you're, you should do this. But um, I started writing it and it became, the, it's the most, I love writing it. It's the most exhausting thing I do every week. I, I finish it, I'm just like, I'm like shaking because I put everything into it, but it's, um, the only way that I can speak very, very truly from myself, I can write in first person and be very honest. There's no kind of hidden we and being grander or bigger or smaller than I am. I can just speak from my heart and just tell that journey. And that's been an amazing, amazing tool for connecting with people. Um, I've developed true like friend relationships with people I've not met around the world um, based on this, which is amazing. And then constantly getting the feedback from those people who have developed this relationship with either they've purchased or they've not purchased, but then they say, oh, well, you know, I'm looking for this one item or, you know, I have this bag and I'm so excited. I never thought I'd be using it in this one way, but there's this one thing I'm not really quite, quite sure about here. You know, um, yeah, having, having the newsletter has allowed for being able to create a community and the story as you began by asking. I have been able to, yeah, just tell the whole journey of creating this. And so it has been incredibly useful and just such a fascinating, unexpected portion of of this whole business but it's for me a, a <laughs> real and this is maybe me projecting here but why i i see from that is a, a vulnerability around the business side hmm. trying you know saying this is me this is the challenges i'm facing these are the difficulties i'm having these are the milestones or even the obstacles that i'm coming up against rather than trying to portray this we everything's great we all you know we know exactly what's happening next but there's a real authenticity there that creates connection um very much and that is it seems to be for your brand i hate to use the word brand but for, for people to know who you, who what baxley is and who who you are mm -hmm. um yeah and I, I don't have a issue with with the word brand but i did come from branding at one point um the vulnerability it's been fascinating this like kind of like the life lessons of running a business and um basically like, like being comfortable with saying i don't know i i really don't know i don't have any experience in this area i need your excuse me your experience and um i'm finding my way i'm doing my best but um yeah asking for that kind of leeway and that advice from others has been so fundamentally big and just so liberating too but it, it has allowed i think for people to really um want to follow the newsletter perhaps um i mean i've been trying to write the newsletter in a way that is compelling and so that there is a narrative but it is very genuine like like i really 
don't know if the mill is going to deliver on time and shish, they haven't again. And how am I going to spin this in a way that it feels like I'm slightly in control, but I'm really not. But, you know, so, yeah, I mean, it's a fascinating one trying to be genuinely vulnerable, but then also wanting to still show some degree of, of control. And the thing is, I don't know that any business has a greater control though, right? Like there's always going to be some supply chain issue in China for Apple or you know whatever company it is um, that we just don't hear about. And so I'm trying to just share that um, as part of the journey. Um, I'm just as happy for the newsletter to be a source of inspiration for anyone else who might be starting a, a company, which I think many ha are in that position from what I've heard. Um, as it is an actual marketing tool, I suppose, for, for selling the products. It's interesting when you're talking there about this showing an element of control. Um, ultimately, like you said, we're never fully in control. There's, you know, thing, stuff happens. But what I believe by telling an authentic story and the way you're approaching it is there's a real sense of clarity in terms of the why you're doing it. And mm. telling that story of the person behind the the business and where they're trying to get to and what's motivating them to make these things happen. And I, I believe when you feel that you know that person and you can really sense that clarity of there, then you're more forgiving. But yeah, and you accept things happen along the way and, and but you're you're I, you know, from reading your stuff is like I'm more invested in where you're mm. going and what you're trying to achieve. Um there's I think there's an element of this when you're talking about the not knowing. Um, a challenge that I observe for people particularly starting off is that fear of of being judged because you're going to do something wrong and or or not again, not being on top of things. And so how that stops people from asking for help. And also there's an element, I, th I don't know if it's because of your nature and you are, you are quite happy to just step into that space of saying, I don't know what's going on, can you help me? Or whether there's a professional training around the idea of prototyping and making things. But there's this aspect, I don't know if you can talk to someone who, who gets that fear of failure, fear of not mm -hmm. being the person who knows everything or should know everything, mm -hmm. and also fear of actually, I can't put anything out until it's 100% right. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a tricky one. I mean, I think there's, innately a desire to yes put your best foot forward either culturally or or just innately um and this is my very best the thing i can create ta-da but there's so much that rides on that though i mean that is such a, a you know a, a piece of failure you know already ripe for for failure or criticism um and of course there could be huge rewards if you can just create and to produce this thing that's a fait complete but the journey is such a wonderful way of creating a community. And so it does take a lot of, a lot of um, belief in what you're doing to make sure that people can like see, not what you see in your head, that you, you see that vision of where it's going to be. And you know that you're way back here showing them like mark one of 200 or whatever it is, you know, and you just need to be able to, yeah, I, I don't know, like in those really early days, make sure that it is being shared and, and perhaps on the earliest, earliest stages, 
maybe you aren't sharing it with the entire world, but you're just sharing it with the people who will give you that extra bit of ego, who perhaps can share that vision of, in terms of the greater thing that you're wanting to create. Um, and then just increase the amount of people you're sharing it with. But don't, I, I would not recommend at least, there's not a should, but I would not recommend waiting till the very end though, because there's no time to be sense checking it and be user testing it as well. Like. Um, even if you have user testers, like five user testers, that's such a small, small pool, is that is the thing that you've spent all this energy on going to be correct, you know, and so um, I've kind of switched here in terms of use, from user testing or to user testing from um, showing that vulnerability, but it's all in, all in one piece though, like as early as possible, start sharing, make sure that you're getting more energized. Um, but yeah, as long as that, that vision is, is lock fast in terms of what is going to be created. Um, I had a very hard time. Like when I first started, all I had for the first three months was uh, just pinned prototypes. So I hadn't even brought up my sewing machine. I just got some canvas from uh, the local fabric store and just cut it to some general random size and pinned it with like this much excess hem right around everything. And then I literally put books in it <laughs> and trying to like pin it to my back. And it was absurd. But um, yeah, that one, I think maybe I showed it to my mother when she came over for a, a holiday or something. But I, I had a hard time. That one I, I didn't want to share with really anyone. Um, but once the first sewn one, and, and I did a number, I think I did three or four pinned versions. But um, I finally did the first sewn one. That one, I wasn't ready for anyone to test. And so that was my own degree of vulnerability where I hit the, the top of my own vulnerability. I, I didn't want anyone else to test it. It was just, I was gonna test it by myself because I knew all these issues existed, but I was ready to go out to the world. I was ready to start sharing it, not on Instagram, not in, in that world very much because that was more of a vulnerability fear of IP. And I didn't know to what degree what I was creating might be copyrighted or stolen by somebody else. Um, and that's kind of a different conversation, um, but, yeah, uh, it's constantly changing where you're vulnerable and where you're willing to go, but it is all always necessary to be testing as far as possible so that it can be the best at the Inter end. Interesting there when you're saying about that first sewn version, it's it, sharing it with people not because you don't want people to say, is that right or wrong? I think it felt like there's that initial part of sharing was less about the product but more about this first step, basically sharing the story of this journey that you are making public. And so it isn't necessarily about the bag. The bag is like an artifact to show this is the, I'm serious about this. I'm doing something about it. But the important thing was actually the story around why the bag started in the first place and where you want to go. Mm -hmm. And, um, and this, I think there's this, Part of you, I think maybe is part of the way you are, maybe this idea of like you like to make things, this kind of creative energy around it. But to, you know, when talking to this idea of vulnerability, when you make something, if you show it to the wrong person, it could kill the energy straight away. Mm. They don't understand and they start straight away going into fixing mode and telling you what's wrong, how mm -hmm. that can be damaging. So what I heard there was this kind of, just picking the right people to share first. So mm -hmm. you can get, I would say, compassionate criticism rather than fixing advice. To then build up what I hear was a building up of confidence because that's this journey. It starts from this little seed that needs to be nurtured. 
And until that's turned into a kind of a, a sapling nearly, where it feels a bit stronger, it can be buffeted by the winds a bit more. You need to be cautious about how you share and who you share it with. Does that resonate in any way? Very much. That's, that's exactly it. Just more succinct than what I said. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's one of those things. It's like it's it's a journey that we've seen so many people go on, and some people just stop dead in their tracks because someone's just basically shut on their parade. Mm-hmm. And they just don't feel. But it is important to still before that that ta-da moment, it is so important to be challenging it as much as possible. It just those early days are, it's so delicate, right? It's, mm. it's a little baby. It's not ready to be on its own quite yet. And this is where I, I, I'm curious about, and we talked about this before, um, reframing, I'm building a business uh, or I'm on this mission or I've got this vision to thinking about, I'm trying to answer this question. And we talked about uh, the podcast that I heard with David Hyatt, and I think you listened to Alan Wick, around it's a question through this business, you're trying to answer a question. Mm. I'm going to presume. And the way I, you know, I, I, I could frame it is that you're answering the question is like, how can I make this very functional, very attractive bag with the lowest impact on the environment and the maximum benefit also to the people who are making it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and it's a question. It isn't like I have the answer. It's like I'm on this journey to answer this question. And what I and then how that question is an invitation for other people to join, rather than necessary other people to just think you've got to have the answer. I don't know how that resonates with how you could look at what you're you're trying to do with Baxley. Yeah, <clears throat> it certainly is that. I mean, it's a fascinating one trying to figure out how to succinctly convey that 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 purpose of what I'm trying to create. I'm just creating bags. They're British bags. They're really well-made bags. Um, and that's a constant evolution of, of, of trying of just language. It's just language really, right? Because like I understand what I'm trying to create, but how do I do it again succinctly and in a way that someone can immediately capture and understand. And Hyatt's done such an amazing job, David Hyatt, with Hyatt Denim and uh, the Do Lectures in terms of communication and storytelling. Um, and yes, asking that question and constantly challenging people, that's that's engaging them, isn't that? That's beginning to challenge them in terms of their own ideals, but having them constantly thinking. And that's so epically important. I mean, what I'm trying to do with Baxley is creating this bag or creating these bags, but the bags are really secondary to what my initial objective was, which is wanting to do something in terms of the environment and changing our behaviors and reducing our impact. And so the bags are just a method, you know, a, a means for obtaining that end. So anyways, yes, the, the story and engaging people in that community and challenging with questions is, is epically important. And th- I think this um, kind of leads, I think leads me on to this idea that there's the, the bags are a vehicle. The business is a vehicle for you to address this broader mission question, however we want to frame mm. it. Um. And in order to create, and, and you're, I think you're on a on a mission to create impact, and the impact is, I, as I understand it, behavior change, not only in industries, but also in people. And it feels quite topical at the moment. I mm. heard in the news this morning around Boohoo and the issue that they had with one of their suppliers not paying even minimum wage mm. and how that's having a backlash on their businesses. So uh, this idea of purpose and being ethical 
is actually having an impact on companies' bottom lines. Um, and it sounds that it's all it's all linked to story and how value and story are now people being much more aware of how they're interlinked. And so, you know, while the, the bag is is one one element of you trying to achieve this mission and the business is a, is the, the structure around it for achieving this mission, because you're building a business, one of the challenges with any business is profit and sustainability. And that comes down to being paid, <laughs> pricing your products in the right way. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to finish off with this conversation because I think it's one of the most challenging conversations with anyone who is purpose-driven is this thing around how you price what you do and what that makes you feel like as an entrepreneur. Uh, you know, when we're having these conversations or trying to set this price and how we, what principles we fall back on or what, even what beliefs we fall back on in order to make that price feel fair. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just to, and we, I don't think we have any answers here, but it was more of a how you're tackling that or how you've seen that affecting the way you've tried to make Baxley work. God, I hate pricing. Um, yeah. <laughs> pricing is so miserable. I had intended, before I had any prices in, I had no idea how much manufacturing would cost in the UK or in China. Like I didn't even have a comparative beginning starting point. And I didn't know how much materials would cost. They, like, just I had no clue what kind of markup was standard for retail, and in the kind of realm of retail I was going into. Um, it's tricky. Um, so where I expected to be, and th- this is where I am. So this is zero. This is where I wanted to be, and this is where I am. But with that being the case, though, everything comes down to you're saying make it fair. It's, it's making it fair for the consumer, but it is those harder things to begin grasping, which is making it fair for the people who are making it. I mean, when you have a shirt at Primark that costs less than a cost of coffee, a cup of coffee, you know, like that makes no sense whatsoever. And you're talking about all of those farmers, all the people transporting the cotton, three different mills treating that cotton, you know, taking care of it to make it into fabric to then be woven and then you know, sent and then the designer makes the designer printer pattern, whatever, and then that's sent somewhere else to be packaged up instead of a distribution center. And then, you know, it, it's just amazing for three pounds, you get this shirt. And um, that's not fair at all. And same goes for bags as well. So um, that is a really tricky one. And it's one where I've had to um, listen to my own medicine as it were. So what I am talking about with Baxley and through the newsletters primarily is about trying to um, reduce our and what matters. And it's really like, I need to listen to myself here because as long as we are just buying things only that we are so passionate about and that are really made to last and with as much versatility as possible, we need fewer items and then we can make them last as long as possible. It's just a, a really different mindset, you know? And so this is the mindset that existed up until mass production, you know, always, right? You saved up money and then you bought the thing that you absolutely loved and you treasured it forever. And so it is just a matter of changing that mindset. And so pricing around that, I still don't have some extraordinary markup at all. Like this is not, if you were to look at the numbers right now, it, it's not a business viable. I'm just, just squeaking buy everything right now but I'm not paying myself yet and 
that's fine because that I don't have enough scale. But because I have you know some degree of, of strategy and a plan involved, you know, in in place, it is going to be possible to grow the business. But it is um, constantly trying to juggle. Truly, I mean, I guess for any business, between what a consumer is willing to take and and or give rather. And what um, is fair for the people that, if you're purpose-driven, that you're um, representing. Um, and again, this goes back to to the newsletter as a tool and showing that vulnerability and being able to speak in a way that people are accustomed to. This openness of conversation and saying, "Hey, people need to live." And um, this is a piece, actually, this is a newsletter that is currently brewing that I haven't talked about that much in terms of of pricing. Um, and what is fair and how much you know makers or seamstresses make per hour. Um, so at any rate, it is pricing is a tricky one. <laughs> pricing is a tricky one. <laughs> uh, now, if, correct me if I'm wrong. I understand that you 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 talked to um, someone in our community, Alan Wick, when you were thinking about pricing. Was that correct? Hmm. Um, and then That's correct. Did, yeah. What, what, how did he help you in terms of at least getting you a bit um, clearer about how you can approach this question? Mm. Really kind of um, very basic um, comfort, I guess you say, and knowledge. So I, I have no business background. And like, as I kind of, I think indicated before, like I'm muddling through everything with to do with, with Baxley and anything that's not digital design or the design of a, an item, I'm muddling through. And my time is so spread out, of course, because I'm not just worrying about, you know, the design of the product, but the manufacturing and and even where am I getting the packing tape and is that packing tape something that's going to be in alignment with my values and be biodegradable? You know, like, like how, how nuanced and how, how pragmatic am I getting in every single kind of decision? Alan was is one who has had so many years and such experience in business and helping businesses that are starting up that just having conversation with him, running actual numbers with back and forth with him and not having him freak out and go, oh my God, that's so expensive. Oh my God, you're never going to be able to, to survive if you go that low, like, you, you know, both things. And then just being able to do a little bit of, yeah, just sense checking with him um, was enormously helpful. So yeah, just speaking to anyone who has had business experience. <laughs> There's that um, uh, ability to, well, having that opportunity to be able to share some some challenging questions with other people so that, that sometimes they don't necessarily give you the answer, it sounds like, but they help you get clearer for yourself as to what the what the real problem question is and then how, how you can then solve it yourself or move forward. Is oh, completely. I mean, like that... I, I definitely am in need, in need of some business mentors and I'm aware of this. This is just one of the different things that I'm trying to um, to juggle. Um, but it's beyond just that, like in every sort of element of creating a business, it's figuring out who can you turn to for advice. And it's not always the people that I would have expected. Like, I, you know, if I wanted to create a prototype, I would have turned to prototyping companies or something, but I actually was just saying that I was having this problem with a friend of mine and this friend knew a friend who knew a friend who was able to help create this, the, you know, these early day prototypes for me. And so it is really fascinating how allowing that vulnerability of just, I have this problem with just anybody, maybe in the newsletter, maybe just with friends or um, 
in a in well, I don't suppose we really go to bars these days or you know other things like that. But you know, just the random people though, it's amazing where helpful advice can be sought and seeking out advice wherever that is, formal or informal, is so epically important. So yeah. So I hear so from what we talked about, there's this real fine balance, or whether it's final, but there's a balance between um being careful with your idea like you said there's at one level you know you don't want people to copy it and you don't want people to to steal it but then also being open to share what you're trying to do and where you're what what challenges you have because of the serendipity that could create the answer mm-hmm. for you or can bring the right people towards you and uh you know myself and Lawrence and our community we're a bit more biased to that share as much as you can with the people around you because you never know who can help at the same time i think we live in a lovely bubble of the happy startup school where everyone is so open and wanting to help each other that you know we forget how in the world there are people who are maybe less mm. scrupulous or less uh, well-intentioned mm. and so there's a need to find the right spaces where we can um essentially look for help and ask for mm-hmm. help mm-hmm. um uh, and I think the other aspect I think around this is this it's an ongoing thing that is not just driven by a spreadsheet. It's you driven by your real need to create and to make a better world for your children. It sounds like that seems to be right at the core. The simplest message that came from me is like, I want to make sure this planet is around for my kids to enjoy. And yep. this is a small thing, but this is, one thing that aligns with my need to make and my need to keep my children safe. And that's a powerful story for me. Hmm. Glad to hear it. <laughs> um, any last words in terms of um, your, ref- I know if you were going to, um, if someone was thinking about that, this idea that, uh, they need there's something or this question I, I want there's something more and and maybe they're beating themselves up because they don't know what what that more is or how to satisfy or scratch that itch when you're in that space what, what how would you speak to them or give them um some words of experience to help them navigate that that space um when I was at that space is when I did this workshop and it was really kind of like trying, just trying to identify what are the things, like where's your vision, where are you wanting to go? What are the things that light you up inside? Like just, you could start talking about this thing for two hours easily. What are the things that you're not good at and have no interest in developing? What are the things that you're really good at? What kind of assets do you have? So what kind of skills can you rely on? What kind of friends and their skills? Um, is there um, a wealthy aunt, you know, that you can rely on something like that or a piece of property um, or the ability uh, to multitask? You know, what kind of assets do you have at your disposal? Um, and then where? how do these begin to line up? Like what are the things that you absolutely get, give you so much joy and can give you that dream that you want to get to? but don't have to necessarily having you do too much of a thing that you're really horrible at. And 
start thinking about, yeah, this greater picture and not locked into, I have to do this thing within design because I've always done design or whatever the career is. Um, but is there a way to broadly bring together different passions that you might have? I don't know. Perhaps that might help. No, that's, that's brilliant. I think, well, it sounds like it's, it's, um, if it's, it's something that worked for you or it's something that you, you mm -hmm. found that would have been useful for yourself, then it, I'm sure it's going to be useful for someone else <laughs> listening to this. Thank you very much, Lindsay. That was really lovely. To Thank you so much, Carla. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to, is it, is there another new bag coming out? I can't remember where you're at with yeah. the design. So um, I have a tote bag called Hank that is coming out um, on Saturday. It's being released. Although this is my first my permanent item. So I'm starting out a new world of trying to figure out how to continuously have product available. And it's a new world to figure that to figure that out. Um, but typically, I really have released in the past um, just limited runs of a specific bag, the roll top. And that's coming up soon. So I've just received new material from the mill this past week, which is really exciting. And so, yeah, I get to see a sample of that, and that'll be in the next month or two. Fantastic. And if people want to find out more about your work and uh, to sign up to the newsletter, where would you like to go? Mm. Baxleygoods.com. So B-A-X-L-E-Y goods.com. Fantastic. Excellent. Well, have a lovely rest of the day. Um, you too. Thank you for sharing this time and the conversation with me. And um, yeah, look forward to to continuing to watch your journey and and, uh, and to catch up along the way. Thank you, and thank you everyone else for watching. Yeah, thank you everyone. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to the Happy Entrepreneur podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Also, if you'd like to learn more about being a happy entrepreneur and want to connect with more people like you, then go to our website, thehappystartupschool.com, and subscribe to our newsletter. Amongst many other things about business and life, we'll help you answer the following questions. How can I serve others by being myself? And how can I discover who I really am by serving others?